You are now listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. This is Ben Jones with Yes We Code. You are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. What's up, y'all? It's producer Will Packer, and you're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Keep it locked right here. This is Simone Missick, and I am Misty Knight, and you are listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. I am Belisha Butterfield-Jones, and I serve as the head of Black Community Engagement for Google, and you're listening to the Black Girls Nerds Podcast. Hey, all I'm Yutide Badaki. I play Bill Quiz on American Gods, and you are all now listening to Black Girl Nerds Podcast. Hey, I'm Tommy Davidson. You're listening to the Black Girl Nerds Podcast. That's right. It exists. episode is brought to you by the original stitcher podcast comes back with season four of lavar burton reads hosted by none other than legendary storyteller lavar burton weekly on lavar burton reads you'll be engrossed in the best short fiction handpicked by lavar himself he narrates some of the best fantasy and sci-fi stories out there which is huge for us geeks with a dash of comedy, westerns, and everything in between. The show is everything you love about audiobooks and podcasts, with beautifully immersive soundscapes that completely engross you in the story, plus the unmatched LeVar Burton. As season four returns this week, all new episodes start every Tuesday. You can jump into any episode from prior seasons that interest you. Just search LeVar Burton Reads in your podcast app and make sure to subscribe so you don't miss an episode. Now here's a preview. Hey y'all, LeVar Burton Reads is back for an all new season now. This season we'll travel back in time for some supernatural history. We'll spend some time in a dojo and we'll even explore UFOs and making first contact. We're also going to revisit that moment in childhood where the ordinary blurs with the extraordinary. Your daily life will seem light years away. And one of the stories that we have coming up is an incredible narrative about the alchemy of a miracle. It's by the Kane Prize-winning and Nigerian-American author Tope Falloran. Here's a sneak peek. We need miracles. We murmur as the two men help him to the front, and in this charged atmosphere, everything about him makes sense, even the irony of his blindness, his inability to see the wonders that God performs through his hand. His blindness is a confirmation of his power. It's the burden he bears on our behalf. His residence in a space of perpetual darkness has only sharpened his spiritual vision over the years. He can see more than we will ever see. When the old man reaches the pulpit, his attendants turn him around so he's facing us. He's nearly bald. A few white hairs cling precariously to the sides of his shining head, and he's wearing a large pair of black sunglasses. A bulky white robe falls from his neck to the floor. Beneath, he's wearing a flowing white agbada. He remains quiet for a few moments. We can feel the anticipation building breath by breath in the air. He smiles. Then he begins to hum. A haunting, discordant melody 
The band leader tries to find the tune among the keys of his piano, but the old man slaps the air, and the band leader allows the searching music to die. He continues to hum, and we listen to his music. Suddenly, he turns to our left and points to a space somewhere in the ceiling. I demand you to leave this place, he screams. And we know there is something malevolent in our midst. <laughs> I can't wait for you to hear the rest of this story and to experience the rest of what we have planned for you this season. LeVar Burton Reads is back for an all-new season right now, so subscribe in Stitcher, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen. In her new book, Finding My Voice, Valerie Jarrett shares her inspiring story from her childhood days in Chicago to working in the Obama White House, ultimately becoming one of the most visible and influential African-American women of the 21st century. From her work ensuring equality for women and advancing civil rights, to the real stories behind some of the most stirring moments of the Obama presidency. Jarrett shares her forthright, optimistic vision for the future, inspiring readers to lift their own voices. Finding My Voice, available now. Men in power are working overtime to control our bodies, our lives, and our futures. Abortion access, freedom from sexual violence, and economic security are key to building a world where all women can thrive. The National Alliance to End Sexual Violence and the National Partnership for Women and Families are standing together to take our power back. Learn more at nationalpartnership.org forward slash stand together. Thanks for tuning in to episode 161 of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. My name is Jamie and I am your host. This is a very special episode. We have three important, incredibly entertaining segments for you. And each of these segments are films that are all directed by women. So very excited to bring to you this episode. And also, each of these films have not yet premiered, so you're going to get a behind-the-scenes sneak peek at these movies. Some will premiere later in the year and in the near future, and one film premieres this month. So really excited to bring to you some of the cast and crew and the talent behind each of these films, respectively. And our first segment features the film Little Woods, directed by Nia DaCosta. This segment includes the filmmaker Nia DaCosta and actress Tessa Thompson, who we love, a favorite here at the Black Girl Nerds podcast. And our second segment is the film Booksmart, which made its premiere at the South by Southwest Film Festival. That film is directed by actress Olivia Wilde, and it's her feature film debut. And our third segment is the film Jezebel, which also made its premiere at the South by Southwest Film Festival, directed by Numa Perrier. She's the co-founder of Black and Sexy TV. So sit back, relax, and enjoy this women-empowered filmmaking episode of the Black Girl Nerds podcast. Episode 161. Women in Hollywood. Little Woods is about a small North Dakota fracking boom town that's well beyond its prime. Actress Tessa Thompson plays Ollie, a woman trying to survive the last few days of her probation after getting caught illegally running prescription pills over the Canadian border. The film is directed by award-winning filmmaker Nia DaCosta, who has another exciting film coming out next year, the new Candyman film. Tessa Thompson, of course, you can catch her later this month playing the role of Valkyrie in the Avengers Endgame film. This following segment features interviewer Kat Combs and both Tessa Thompson and Nia DaCosta. Kat, obviously you just met Black Girl Nerds, okay? Yes! Yes! <laughs> <laughs> love Black Girl Nerds. Thank you! Same. Love you. Uh, we love both of you. Oh my yeah. gosh. Yeah. But me more, obviously, but it's fine. Um, yeah. I mean, duh. <laughs> <laughs> so Little Woods, mm. I watched it like twice already. I okay. love it so oh, much. Gosh. Like, thank you so much. I don't know why this film just resonated with me so mm. much. The sisterly bond, mm. even the location, just going through mm. all the political and social 
stresses. Yeah. So why do you think this film is so necessary for today? I mean, I wrote this film when Barack Obama was president, and the Affordable Care Act was just rolling out. Um, and I was writing it not because I was like, this needs to be super now, but I, I, I knew it was a reality for, for people, uh, for women living in rural parts of America, in particular Northwest North Dakota, um, this oil boom sort of area. Um, and then, you know, our current president uh, came uh, around and <laughs> it became so much more relevant and so much more, I think, necessary to sort of see people um, in a different light. Um, I, honestly, I don't really know what to say. I'm, like, shocked, actually, how much this film now means in a different context, even though I didn't make it in that context. Because mm-hmm. um, I just never thought it would be this way. But mm-hmm. <laughs> a lot of people didn't. But, you know. I mean, that's art, basically. Like, yeah, When true. you make something yeah. before it's even super relevant. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. But you always had the intent of wanting to humanize things that are often politicized. 100%. That was important to you mm-hmm. from Jump. Yeah. And now it just, we really need that. Yeah, it's very I mean, more than we did before. Yeah. Like when I was writing it, I part of why I knew I wanted there to be an abortion in the film was because uh, like the women's, like the war on women was what everyone was calling it was happening in, in earnest. I mean, it's ha- still happening, but you know, we talk about things in cycles. Um, and it was so just super political, super about legislation, but not at all about people. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously legislation is important. I just mean the way they talked about it was just about like just numbers and stuff. Like it wasn't about humans' experiences and why people do the things they do and, um, and where and how. Uh, and I just felt like, wow, like I really just wish we could just talk about this from the point of view of a a woman or two, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, and so that was always, always going to be, I think, relevant when you, when you make it about people and not about politics. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of your two female characters, Mm -hmm. when writing those characters, how much of it was kind of like, traits of you and mm. where did you get inspiration from right um i think uh, even if i try not to like parts of me always end up in characters for better first <laughs> um uh, i think i always thought about like write what you know it was like a, the number one writing tip i guess um and i always took that super literally when i was younger i was like i guess i read about like a black girl in new york <laughs> <laughs> and she's, she likes comic books and you know what i mean um and then i realized it's about write what you know emotionally so i know what it's like to have a sister um, and have a complicated relationship. I know what it's like to, like Ollie, be like one of the only or few black people in a space, whatever whether that's. For me, it was high school and, um, and some of college. Mm-hmm. Um, for her, it's her entire town. <laughs> um, um, you know, I, I know what it's like to have to navigate not having a lot of money, but not like this. You know, and, that, yeah. and the fact that it wasn't like this is what really drew me to, to wanting to tell the story. Um, what was your initial question? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, so you have some you, of yourself. You oh, myself. Yeah, 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 yeah. I was like, yeah, I, I, I did, but then I was like, let me just double check. Yeah, you're good. Thank you so much. Tessa, what brought you to this project? Like, what What did you gravitate towards? I, I gravitated first and foremost to Mia. Mm-hmm. I met in the context of workshopping the project with her, the Sundance Labs, and was really struck by her talent. Mm-hmm. Um, I also just, in terms of a, a potential collaborator, I loved how honest she was. I, mm-hmm. I liked that she didn't mince words. Mm-hmm. I liked that when she gave praise, it was scarce enough that you believed it. <laughs> <laughs> um, and so I, I and so I, <laughs> so I enjoyed that. I loved that she took, um, you know, she'd have like her system would like shut down slightly for a second while taking criticism and then she would just go into fixing it yeah. and making it better. Um, and so, so, so she was a dream collaborator just in, you know, she presented herself as a dream collaborator just in terms of, of how she, how she moved through space at the labs. And then, um, I mean, the story was very different in some ways then, mm-hmm. but it yeah. was a work in progress, obviously, mm-hmm. as it is always in that stage. But but something that to me was uh, really beautiful was this idea of sisterhood. And I have three sisters, I relate to that, and I understand how complicated and beautiful those relationships are. Mm-hmm. Um, and then also just dealing with poverty in a way that felt, um, I don't know, that you understood in a real way consequences of things that could seem inconsequential. Mm-hmm. Um, 
you know, I grew up in inside of an experience as a young woman where like, you know, we didn't have a car for a period and we would go to the grocery store and come home with the cart, you know what I mean? And like how that affects the way that you move through life, what opportunities you think are going to be available to you. Mm -hmm. So this idea that your choices are only as good as your options really resonated with me because that was something that I had to like break through as a young, as a young, as a young woman. And watching my mom sort of navigate raising me and my sister and um, yeah, there was so much just sort of personally that I resonated with, but mm -hmm. also like Nia, I grew up in, in, you know, a place like Los Angeles that is insular, you know, my, the only two places I really spent time with and spent time in, in my formative years were Los Angeles and New York. Really the only thing that got me out of those places was working yeah. and being suddenly in like a Hosky, North Carolina and being like, I'm not, even we're not in Kansas anymore. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And having to unpack my own relative privilege, even mm -hmm. inside of growing up you know, with, with not a lot of money. Yeah. Um, and so I think the opportunity to get outside myself, to be able to to understand what it is like to grow up in a rural part of America made me feel sort of closer to what it means to be an American, that I, that I don't want to have a limited scope on what it means to be an American because I come from a progressive, you know, place, I think. Yeah. Um, I want to, like, I want to know about it all. I'm curious about it all. And this, this project gave me the opportunity to be even more curious. Yeah. I feel like if only we could all, like, just watching films like this, kind of have the same open-mindedness mm -hmm. to others around us. And so I wonder, what, do you what are you hoping the audiences take away from this film? Um, empathy is one thing, but then also, like, yesterday, this is so random, but I was talking to my friend about uh, words that mean a lot, of, like a long paragraph is like definition, but they're like, like another language. And uh, this is word sonder, which means uh, the realization that the people around you are leading these lives that are just as complex and as special and as unique as yours, mm -hmm. um, but you're completely unaware of it. And that's, I think that's it too. That realization of, oh wow, I'm moving to the world with people who have as many um, concerns and joys and loves and everything that I have. And, and it's just the differences are the context. Yeah, um, I think that's really important for me. Yeah. Do you want to add anything to that? Or <laughs> she's so eloquent, but I I, she's a hard one to follow up. I'm like, mm -hmm. <laughs> also, I think we, you know, we got some of the same kink because I'm like, yep, yeah, that's yeah. what I yeah. like to. <laughs> no, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I think it's kind of like the beginning. That's why we were like, we should do this together. Yeah, right? we're yeah. like, you like the same things that I like, yeah. right? Cool. <laughs> <Exactly>. <laughs> So, yeah, as a writer and now director mm -hmm. in kind of the same scope of things, mm -hmm. do you think Hollywood is moving in, like, an upward trajectory in terms of having women of color story told and mm -hmm. just getting your presence out there? Um, for sure. But you know, like, how if a mountain's really steep, you kind of have to go around the mountain slowly? That's mm -hmm. sort of what's happening. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we're going up like that. Um, <laughs> but we're, there's definitely movement being made, you know? Mm -hmm. You know, like, there are amazing women women of color, black women filmmakers who came before me, mm -hmm. who've made my current uh, career path much easier. You know, they whack the bushes. One person, like, you know, whack the bushes, one person's paving it, the next person's, like, putting dashes on the road so we know which side to go. You know what I mean? I like that, yeah. Um, and I'm just, like, I am kind of feel like I'm walking on tar right now, you know, so... The next person is building a convenience store. Exactly. On it. Yeah, on every road. mile, yeah, I'll do the gas station, you know? Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> it's been great, and I've had um, not just people who come before me, but, like, people who worked with me who are wonderful... Um, and supportive, including Tessa, who's, you know, has become someone with enough pull to, like, you know, uh, <laughs> stop, stop, I'm just kidding, I'm No, but, like, but seriously, Tessa, like, I, I really do feel that, like, as women, no, I'm serious. No, but it's, as women, it's, it's like, actually important to yeah. note, though, that, that that wasn't necessarily the case when you asked me to make the film. Oh, no, In yeah, terms yeah. of, like, Oh, yeah, yeah, know. yeah. So that's cool. Yeah, I wasn't like, oh, the hawker didn't do my movie, because she wasn't the hawker. Yeah, 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 yeah. But, no, but I think... I really do feel like as women, like actresses and directors, female directors are, are allies. Mm. Um, and I think we um, we support each other and build each other up, and that's such an important relationship. Um, so I'm really grateful. The Black Girl Nerds podcast will be right back after a word from our sponsor. Care Of is a monthly subscription vitamin service that delivers completely personalized vitamin and supplement packs right to your door. You can spring into a healthy routine. With the winter blues coming to an end, it's finally time to get back into a routine that empowers your healthiest. You need a little energy for that spring cleaning, right? 
Why don't you give yourself an extra boost this season, whether you're looking for more energy, better sleep, to maintain stress, or something else that will help you feel your healthiest. Getting your vitamins should be easy and convenient. Care Of's delicious nutrient-packed quick stick powders can be added to your monthly delivery for an extra easy boost wherever you need it. And you can experience the Care Of and Difference with vegan and vegetarian supplement options available to match your dietary needs. I tried Care Of myself and I have to say, I really love the fact that I can have vitamins delivered to my door. Also, I can customize what options fit best for my body and for my needs. So I'm someone that has issues with getting enough sleep and I have low energy throughout the day. So with the online quiz that you can take with Care Of, you can let them know, okay, I need a vitamin supplement that helps boost energy. I need a vitamin supplement that's gonna help me get better sleep through the night. This online quiz can be customized for you and your specific needs. So check out Care Of. We here at Black Girl Nerds are giving you a discount just for you nerdy listeners out there. You can get 50% off of your first month of personalized Care Of vitamins. Simply go to TakeCareOf.com and enter the code NERDS50. You will get 50% off your first month of personalized Care Of vitamins. Just go to TakeCareOf.com and enter NERDS50. Yeah. For that, yeah. Yeah. In that same scope, uh, Tessa, com- I guess you can comment a little more in terms of the female-led aspect of the film, having mm. females lead the story. Do you think that's an upward and climbing <laughs> trajectory, or do you think it's still kind of a battle that Hollywood's, like, they don't see the necessity of it? Yeah, I think it's a battle. I think it's a battle. Just because mm-hmm. you look at the language around when things are successful and it's female-driven, there's always like, what? Mm-hmm. It did? You know? And and the truth is, women have been top-lining movies since movies existed. Mm-hmm. You know? Like, that yeah. just is true. It isn't, like, a new thing. Um, so... But yeah, I think we're I think we're coming. She'll be coming around the mountain mm-hmm. when she comes. When she comes. Is mm-hmm. kind of um, what <laughs> is kind of what's happening. Can I be the subtitle article? She'll be coming around the mountain. Talk about when she comes. She'll be coming around the mountain when she comes. But she is coming, and I think, and I think, you know, and and the truth is, we make room for each other. What I, you know, what I've always loved about folks like Ava DuVernay, for example, is like the the you don't want to be the exceptional one. You know what I mean? We don't want to exist inside of a system that allows a couple of us. We just want to dismantle the system then. Um, and so that that's what I'm interested in. Mm-hmm. And and I feel like the, the time is, is ripe for that. I mean, it's really heartening to me. I feel so lucky to get to have worked on Nia's first feature. It's rad that her next feature is happening so soon after she's made the right, first yeah, and yeah. happening on a studio level. And mm-hmm. like, Whatever. If there's not room at the table, we'll just make our own table. Mm-hmm, but it's impactful for her to enter that space. Yeah. Um, it just is because it creates comps because we're in... It's wild that we're inside of an industry that literally is all about imagination and people lack it yeah. in terms of being able to just go, well, I don't know if this can happen. Yeah. And then folks like Nia come along and you go, oh, it can. And mm-hmm. it's great. Mm-hmm. And we'll just continue to do that. And so I think we're coming around. I think yeah. we're... We're like, there's like little patches where we like run up. Yeah, yeah. And then we're like little sneaks in the ladder. Yeah. You know? 100%. Yeah. Kind of like shoots and ladders kind of thing. Yeah, I think it's a shoot. I think it might be a shoots and ladders. Yes, exactly. Yeah. Shoots and ladders. Yeah. And we got to like send down a... Not trash. Yeah, help for the other. (laughs) Oh, okay. Some rope, yeah. Yeah, Yeah, you got to send down rope. Like we, And what's so cool too, I think, we've been siloed off so much. The thing that's been inspiring in the last... You know, while for me, particularly inside of like, you know, post Weinstein, Times Up spaces, I'm just in the company of women across industry lines so much mm-hmm. more often now. Mm-hmm. And so now it's like when you're on the mountain, there's someone above or below you going, Are you? How are you? <laughs> <laughs> like, are you okay? You know, I mean, like, Tracy Ellis Ross did it so well where she just realized, like, everyone, to your to, to the metaphor that you laid out, too, everyone's, like, whacking weeds around each other, and mm. then you realize, like, you're over there, too? Yeah, like, yeah. can we, let's, let's like, do this mm. 
together, together yeah. Yeah. it will be easier. Yeah. Um, and I think, I feel like that's happening. I completely feel like that's happening, yeah. So one one quick thing. Do you mm. have any advice for mm. future filmmaker, writer, directors that are working on their first feature film? Woo. Um, get the hours of sleep if you can. Uh, get a great AD because it's yeah. That's get it. amazing producers. Um, I could give you like fl fluffy like, but like practically like get a great AD, get a great producer, and that's how your movie's gonna get made. Give one fluffy one. And also just dream, reach for the stop. No. Um. <laughs> um okay. Before I knew little was. This what's just happening and, and, and before I thought I'd have a career period, um, I kind of came to this realization that like the work has to be enough mm -hmm. because you won't always get rewarded for it. Um, not rewarded, but like you won't always be able to make your movie or go on to do another, you know? Um, so the work has to be enough. It has to be the thing that saves you. Um, and then through that, hopefully you keep working and then hopefully eventually you get to work on the, the levels that you want to work on, but yeah. I like it. That's, that's that not even me. that flattering. <laughs> that's also so pragmatic and real. Mm, yes. Thank you very much. <laughs> no, thank you. It was so you. good to meet you. Yeah, it's nice to meet you as Thanks well. Thanks for your questions. Nice you. yeah. Thank you. Told from a wildly original, fresh, and modern perspective, Booksmart is an unfiltered comedy about high school best friends and bonds we create to last a lifetime. Capturing the spirit of our times, the film is a coming-of-age story for a new generation. Director Olivia Wilde is featured in this clip, along with actors Caitlin Dever, Beanie Feldstein, and Billy Lord. Also, writer Katie Silberman is included in this group roundtable interview. And the interviewer in this segment is yours truly. Enjoy. Cool, are you guys ready? No, And, um, and 
I knew it needed to be kind of updated and, and reinvigorated, and I needed a collaborator. And I got to have my first truly collaborative creative experience with Katie Silverman here, who came on to write and produce the film. And that experience was life-changing, to, to create a brain trust, an exchange of energy and ideas that elevates your own potential is like, I could cry. It's, it's, I wish it for everybody. Yeah. Um, but now I agree. <laughs> <laughs> but it was like so exciting to that now this film can, can I, I want to bring together all the people that can make it happen the way that it deserves to happen. Yeah. So that's why Booksmart. And it's really interesting because like now on this day of our premiere, it's all kind of landing on me. And I'm like, oh god, this is a dream come true. And I really am excited to offer this film to the world and say, find in this the inspiration we all found. Yeah. Reconnect to your, your most important relationships with women, particularly. Find solace and safety and inspiration and happiness with those friendships. Don't underestimate their value in your life. That's awesome. I love it. <laughs> I was <just> Director, head of the theater troupe at our high school in the film, yeah. and we uh, 
we go toe-to-toe a lot and they'll get like a funny contentious mm-hmm. relationship and it was so fun to just like put down theater like Katie would give me like line after line and I was like this is so funny <laughs> Thank you guys. Thank you. Have a great South Park. Thank you. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah.
In the last days of her mother's life, 19-year-old Tiffany crashes with five family members and a Las Vegas studio apartment. In order to make ends meet, her older sister, a phone sex operator, introduces her to the world of internet fetish cam girls. Starring Tiffany Tennille as Tiffany, the only live black model at this new adult site, and Numa Perrier, both director and actor, who plays her sister, is in the new film called Jezebel, which made its debut at the South by Southwest Film Festival. This following segment features both Tiffany and director Numa Perrier, who also wrote the script for the film. And the interviewer in this clip is, again, yours truly. Enjoy. Um, so, Numa, I understand that you had an early interest in film as a child. I actually listened to you do an interview on a podcast where you discussed this. Uh, was there one film or a moment in your past that led you to the decision that filmmaking was exactly what you were supposed to be doing? Mm, I was really sheltered uh, from pop culture as a kid. So I didn't watch a lot of movies. Um, I watched like a lot of soap operas with my mom, a lot of TV shows, but we never went to the movies. We never, my parents were not um, into movies at all. So for me, it was more about, I had a strong interest in writing and a strong interest in acting out the stories that I was writing, so acting. And that developed into filmmaking as a young adult. But um, yeah, as a child, it was more, about storytelling and fantasizing things and creating characters and stepping into them and playing and having fun and then realizing, oh, this is also a career path. This is an extension of my artistry. Right. So, What led you to be so open and tell this story that's based on your real life experiences and bring that to the big screen? Part of it is I'm seeking to understand it myself, understand the things that I've, that I've gone through, that I've lived. Um, and there's so much there. I just feel like I had a very unconventional upbringing and unconventional circumstances that led to another, just a kind of a bizarre <laughs> uh, life that just shaped who I am as a woman. And um, in the beginning, when I first wrote Jezebel, I wasn't telling people that it was my true story. It was through some mentorship um, with the script and talking about it and feeling like, as I was talking about it then, before I said it was my true story, I felt like I was lying because I was always talking about the characters in such a removed way. They even had different names at first. Mm -hmm. And so it was through some uh, really good mentors. Um, when I confessed that it was my true story, they were like, oh, honey, you have to say that it's your true story, right. you know? And once I kind of remove that protective barrier, um, everything, everything got better. The development of everything became deeper, more personal. Um, and also, it's very clear that I earned the right to tell the story. I'm not just plucking it to do something sensational. It's my, it's my truth and it's my story. So yeah, it was through the help and guidance um, of other creative women. Um, and I'm so glad that, <laughs> that that happened, you know, and that I trusted them and then began to trust myself as well. Tiffany, um, walk me through the process. Like, when you were preparing for this role, was it something where Numa was coaching you through it, or did you talk to other women that were involved in the internet cam industry to kind of get a sense of what this path was that you were about to go on? Well, Numa was so great because she gave me a lot of room to just explore it for myself. The first thing I wanted to do was interview her. I wanted just to like soak into her world. And so um, we definitely had a time where I just interviewed her and I spent some time on her blog and just read, you don't know that. <laughs> <laughs> Indulging everything Numa. Mm -hmm. And I went on her Instagram. I was like, oh, it was just a joy because I was already like in love with Numa because I love her. <laughs> I do though. Like, I really do. I was a huge fan of hers before I even took on, took on the role. And then I, um, I watched a documentary on, about cam girls. Oh. Uh, yeah, on what documentary was that? Uh, it was one on Netflix, but it was also a YouTube one. Uh, forgive me, I don't remember the name of it. But um, and it was just so fun because Numa was always there, um, 
there to talk to me if I had any questions, but I would like send her photographs of some of the things. Oh, I remember that. Clips. That was so fun. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and it would spark her writing process. So that was mm-hmm. cool. Like I was, because the script wasn't done uh-huh. completely when I came on board. And so, um, and also I, I, Janet Jackson was a huge inspiration uh, for oh, me. Yeah, yeah. Janet. Numa shared with me, yeah. Numa shared with me that she, um, you listened to Rope. The Velvet Rope album is um, what I wrote the script oh, to. Yeah. 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 It was perfect from that time. Yeah. And all of her albums are very, very sensual and album. sexual, but yeah. it was even more so. And it just, it got me through the script. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I really will listen to that. such a great album. I, I want that album like for the whole movie. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> so I would just listen to that. And like, yeah, just um, Jezebel is a song by um, Sade. 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 Right. Jezebel. And I literally listen right. to that every day. But also just I pulled a lot for myself. Me and Numa share so many similarities. Like, mm-hmm. share the same name, or mm-hmm. yeah, name yeah. Tiffany. Um, and uh, we were both adopted, and we both um, our birthdays are days apart, and just other things like photography and just mm-hmm. our aesthetic is very similar. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that's what I did to get into those. Like These two, I mean, divine really order. yeah, divine. Uh, yeah, like you get them in a room, and it's like. Okay. <laughs> yeah. Girls, like, yeah. they're like sisters. They yeah, we became way. So wild. Yeah. The chemistry on screen was palpable. Yeah. So you could really tell Thank on you. screen. Um, how did, where did the name Jezebel come from exactly? So Jezebel uh, <laughs> was always a name that I thought was pretty, that has a pretty sound to it. Um, and I can't remember the first time that I heard the name, but I learned pretty quickly once I liked the name, that it was not a name that you should ever give anyone. Like, this is <laughs> yeah. a bad, this is yeah. like calling someone a whore or calling someone, you know, um, a hussy. Or it was like, I didn't know the first time I heard the sound of the name that it had that connotation, but I learned very quickly. Mm-hmm. So I was always kind of disappointed in that because I just like the way the pretty. name, I just yeah. think it's a pretty name. Yeah. And I said, well, okay, if it's not Jezebel, then I guess. Um, Isabel, like when I would just think of names, I was like, okay, well, I'd have to go to Isabel then, but um, yeah, so when it, when it came time for me to choose a name and not use my real name at work, that was, it was perfect, because <laughs> I'm like, oh, there's a place I can assign this name where it actually works, I like the way it sounds already, and so it was always Jezebel, and I was known as Jez, yeah. Um, well, Jezebel was such a compelling film, and from like the very first scene, it just reels you in, like when you're on the phone doing phone sex. <laughs> hey, Sabrina. Hey, Sabrina. <laughs> and my pinky toe. Yeah. <laughs> and then next call. Yeah, next call. Next call. This just work for me. Um, so much fun. What, what was it about this story that made you decide, okay, this is something that I definitely want to see as a movie? I always felt like it could make a good movie, but I put it to the back of my mind, in the back of my drawer, um, and I wasn't ready to face it, and I wasn't ready, again, to even claim and, you know, broadcast that it's my true story. Um, But I always had a little voice in the back of my head that was like, you should do something with this. And then that voice got really quiet and then got really loud. And when it started getting really loud is when I knew I needed to do something about it. Like, it's time. And then there was enough distance that even now, I know that I lived that. and I, I know I did that work and I know that it's me, but it doesn't feel like me anymore. I don't feel rocked by it in any way. Um, it all makes sense. Like everything led to where I am today and it all makes sense now. And maybe a few years ago I wasn't, I didn't have enough of that detachment to, to approach it as an artist. Um, so yeah, I think it took the time it was supposed to take, but uh, it took its time. So, and then, and then boom, yeah. it went, once I decided, yeah. it all yeah. came together, boom, real With fast. This film, timing yeah. was really yeah. important. Everything mm-hmm. happened exactly. Mm-hmm when it needed yeah. to happen. I mean, on every aspect right. of this process. Right. Even down to the lingerie. We were, in, uh, we were shopping. Oh my and God. one of the pieces um, I had on were called Jezebel. Yeah. Wow. Yes. The brand of lingerie. Wow. 
Come on now. And it's one of those beautiful pieces in the yeah. film. It yeah, really, the Patreon. The piece. stars were aligned. Yeah, yeah. true. Yeah. Really. Yeah. I mean, we have so many stories like that. Like, mm-hmm. even after, after we got into South By, and uh, a, an executive producer came on board, right. and his name is Bobby. <laughs> oh, my <laughs> gosh. Like, and I'm like, how do I have another Bobby in my life? Because that's the real name. Yeah. I didn't change the name, you know? And so, so you it's didn't like, change the names of the actual... Um, Bobby is Bobby. Yeah, Bobby is Bobby. And Bobby's still in my life today. Wow. And Bobby knew I was going to use his name, you know? <laughs> the only thing I changed was he used to use a different... Um, like in the movie, it's like Bobby eight two three, yeah, yeah. and his was like Bob three two eight something else. But the reason why, <laughs> but the reason why I didn't use the exact one that he used to really use with me is because he uses that he like use he email. uses it for like he, he uses it for all of his logins for everything. You and put so, Bobby on blast, but, you know, but he said it was okay. He, well, I think he wants people to find out because he's like, oh no, you can, he's like, you can use that if you want. <laughs> like he laughed, you know. But how is it that there's an executive producer when we need money to finish the movie? Yeah. He comes through wow. and his name is Bobby and he wrote that check yeah. and we got the, the movie finished. Wow. You know, and so yeah. come on. And then when he's and he did it without even really seeing the movie because he was um, here last uh, he was here for the premiere yesterday and I as he was watching it he leaned over and looked at me I'm like I tried to tell you there's a character yeah. named Bobby in the movie yeah. but um, he yeah loves it, though. he loves he, it he, he's oh. so proud of this movie. <laughs> he yeah, is he's so happy. happy yeah he's awesome <laughs> well, let's talk about the premiere it premiered mm-hmm. last night how mm-hmm. was it how was it received. Uh, Oh, I'm beaming. Yeah. Literally. It was sold out. People, yeah. yeah. People yeah. were standing. Yeah. They had to add a few seats. Yeah. I was still working. I'm literally delegating. Like, yeah. People three got turned away. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. My agents had to give up their seats. I almost had to give up my seat. Yeah. It was. A, it was. It was great. It was great because yeah. some people didn't get to see it, but they'll be back yeah, tomorrow. Be back. And so it's just. Um. It's been awesome to have mm-hmm. so much buzz and excitement around it. Yeah. And like, okay, this story is really going to get out there. Yeah. People are they're curious, you know, mm-hmm. and then but then there's a bottom to it as well, and right. so and there's heart to it. Yeah. yeah. Everywhere yes. I go, I'm ready to talk. You know, I'm here to sell this film, get it made. I'm like, hey, come see our. Oh, I'm already. I'm, can you get me a ticket? And I'm like, okay, wow. <laughs> wow. Okay, like everywhere. Okay, tickets. Yes. Okay, Jess. Yes. She took on a life of her own. She like, did. I call her her. Like I'm like. Jezebel, here she, she is. You know, like, yeah, yeah, because I Seriously. feel like the movie took on a life. It's yeah. kind of a bit outside of us now. We're just kind of the moving She's parts. She's telling us what you she know. Jezebel said, it. I'm it's going to South by. Very beautiful. Even your press kit for the movie is so Thank you. Beautiful. Good job. <laughs> it, it really speaks to the essence of who Jezebel is and what this is all about. <laughs> I mean, what is it? Okay, okay Jezebel. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what I also found very interesting were the details about the webcam industry, because mm-hmm. you know, truth be told, I'm very ignorant to how that industry works, and it was interesting to see how easy it is to get in, at least from like Tiffany's audition. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> no, right? She's not hired on the spot. I mean, they need workers, and that was a true story. Like, I walked in, I was hired on the spot, and I was like, okay, you start tonight. But the sooner you work, the sooner you get paid. Those are like, I remember those words, so those were very easy to write and put in the script, you know? And, um, yeah, it, it was, it's, it's a very uh, transient industry. So you have, you know, so the, the, the door is revolving very quickly. Yeah, right. You know, women are coming in and quitting the next day, not showing up. Or, but me, I just stayed. You know, like I found my own little niche and I stayed and I developed it and I stayed until the money got bad. So, why, why did you? Because you, Tiffany, why did you decide to just so quickly say yes? I'll, I'll start tonight. Because in that moment, when she gets hired, she starts that night. She needs money. Yeah. 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 She's ready survival. to make money. Yeah, She's there and it, it's time. Yeah. She was sent on a mission mm-hmm. and she accomplished her mission. She was her and she's curious and interested yeah. in it too. Right. Like, okay, right. I, I'm like, I got hired. Okay. Right. I, I have a job now. 
That was a big thing for the family. Like everyone needed to get a job, and yeah. by the end of the movie, everyone has one. Yeah. <laughs> was it more get away! It's yeah. like a really awful it. slow flying. Time. <laughs> Do you feel like um, that it was more than just also the money? Because there was a moment where we see Tiffany's character, and she's a bit, she's even called a princess, and, mm -hmm. and she's you know very dainty, and you know, and she seems like she wants to be seen. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. Was that she's like curious? She does want it. She has that streak in her, mm -hmm. and she discovers it, and she pushes into it, and her sister can see it and wants to exploit it, but also wants her to know that about herself so she can use it for her own devices. You know, and that's been my relationship with my sister. Like she's constantly revealing to me who I am, to me. And then I'm like, no, but then I'm like, no, but she's always right though. Sabrina's and always so, right. Yeah, and so when, you know, when she comes in there, I mean, you can talk about how, how you felt in the character development of it, but you know, yeah, it's it's a mix of those things. It's like she wants to make her own money. Um, she needs to make her own money. She's also curious about what's behind that door. What is what is she about to walk into? And she's kind of fearless. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. you, she, sorry, you know, she goes for it. You play that so beautifully too. Mm -hmm. I mean, when you first introduce her to the ad, I love that you don't uh, you don't cower. You <laughs> that smirk to that, yeah. was hard, that was a hard scene. Actually, it's gorgeous. Thank you. It is. That was a hard scene Why because I'll, hard scene? I'll be honest. Because um, me sometimes as an artist, um, I go to the place of victim. I do. Mm -hmm. I will go to the the sadness of it or the 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 heart like the. I don't usually always go to the joy and for Newman to say no, you, that's just that's too like that's too sorrow or like let's find some different like, curiosity, joy. Yeah. And I'm like, wow, you're right. In my life, there is mm. how I am. Yeah. So curiosity. that was a hard. Mm. That was a realization mm -hmm. to me. Like, wow, I, I really do go to that place of being sad. I don't know what that is, but yeah. yeah. Was there a scene that that resonated with you the most through this process? Yeah, I think. What is it? I get to learn something. Yes. Actually, one of my favorite scenes is the very first wig scene. Because Numa, you didn't know this, but like, Numa, first of all, Numa was always, I mean, yeah, we were scene partners and that was there, but like, she she had to be a mother, she had to be a director, she had to put her producer hat on. So it was just a lot of those moments. And sometimes, as the character and also as me, because I love Numa, I was just like, I want Nima's attention right now. I want her. She doesn't see me. I feel ignored. And mm -hmm. I just want her. Are you too. kidding me? You got all my attention. <laughs> I, journaled, I journaled every day as the character when I went home and I used to these this idea of feeling like my sister doesn't see me. She's putting all these other people, yeah, brother, but she's putting this man before me. Like, I want to be mm. seen. And so that scene is so special because I feel like she finally sees me. Uh, the character mm. usually goes to the bathroom to cry and conceal her emotion. Mm. And for that to happen in the bathroom and her to be comforted by her sister oh, who really doesn't so show beautiful. those emotions, that touched me <laughs> so much. Mm. It's yeah. like my favorite scene in the movie. Yeah. Oh. Was there a Oh gosh, that is one of my favorite moments in the movie. Definitely that um, that first wig scene because um, I remember something very similar happened between my sister and I. Yeah, just that moment of like we're our, our mom had just died and we're just carrying on. And my sister and I were never really affectionate with each other, yeah. but there was that moment where I just broke down crying, mm -hmm. and she held me and was like, "Oh, it's all coming, it's all rushing to you now." And mm -hmm. it was the first time that I guess yeah. you know I was kind of seen by my sister in that way, and I never looked at it quite that way. But that scene is um, very is means a lot to me. Um, just to see two black women together yes. comforting each other, and that. I really wanted to linger and I let that scene have all the air and breath yeah. possible um, so that we just stay with them through that whole process. It's almost a real time yeah. type of thing and that was really important and it was so many scenes. Yeah, it was only that. one take. Mm -hmm. That yeah. was literally only mm -hmm. one take. It was wow. so special. Yeah. It was done so well too. Mm -hmm. What do you hope audiences will take away when they watch Just I want them to be excited. <laughs> I mean, a lot of times we're just afraid to lean into our sexuality, yeah. to lean into yeah. the exploration of that and the fun of that. And I love that this film is not a victim's yes. story. Yes. so empowering. I love she that. She 
is strong. She is funny. She is a boss. She goes yes. in that space and she owns it. Yes. And I want more black women. We are, we always have, but I want us to feel comfortable walking in our truth, no matter what that truth is, and walking in our sexuality and saying, hey, this is me, just like every other part of me is me. You know what I mean? And I want us to be proud of that. And I love that this film really captures that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, very similar to me. I just want people to be empowered by their sexuality, whatever that is for them. Mm-hmm. Just embrace it mm-hmm. and um, not be ashamed of it, especially in the black community. Mm-hmm. Like, if you come from a Bible thumping family like I have, uh-huh. you know, you, you know, that's not a thing. Like, we, we have to conceal that part of ourselves, we mask it. So, yeah, I feel empowered by playing Jezebel. I'm more confident in my sexuality, and I don't have to show my body to do that, mm-hmm. but there's a certain new way I walk and carry myself. And I hope people, I hope people can see that and say, "What's that in me?" Look in the mirror and love on yourself and feel good about yourself, and cherish their relationships with their family. I said this before, but like sisterhood and siblings is so important. As a person who was adopted, my sister, my biological sister, we were the ones put together. She was everything to me. She was the only thing, only true family, biological family that I knew at the time. And so I just want you to, like, even if you're not close with your family anymore, just reach out and that's the only family you have. And yes, friends can become family, but it's nothing like having that identity with, like, someone who's been through the journey, the same trajectory with you. It's special. Well, thank you so much. Thank you, thank you so much. It was great. The Black Girl Nerds podcast is produced by Jamie Broadnax. The opening theme song to our show is written and performed by Samus. Various instrumentals are performed by Samus, Sky Blue, and Shubzilla. You can find various episodes of the Black Girl Nerds podcast on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, Audioboom, Google Play Music, and Spotify.